Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Joseva Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today we have a very, very special guest. His name is Taylor White, and he's the host of the number one overseas property insider podcast. Uh, He has listeners in over 80 countries, and he's an absolute master of purchasing real estate abroad, but I'm not going to get into that completely. I'm going to let him tell you all about himself in great detail. So without further ado, Taylor, welcome to the show. Gentlemen, I'm excited to be here, and I want to say before we start, congratulations on an awesome podcast and out of the gates being ranked in the top five in business investing. Very, very awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. It's been a lot of fun, and we've met a lot of really cool people, so we're thrilled. Um, And we're, we're really excited to have you on. So, Taylor, why don't you give us your background? Tell us who who is Taylor White. Absolutely. I was born and raised in San Diego, California, which is Southern California for those that don't know it. Um, Fantastic childhood, always sunny, always having a great time. I got involved in real estate around the age of 22 or so. Before that, I tried some other jobs. I was a partner in a pizza place. I worked for a car rental agency. And I said, this isn't the path that I want to take. I want to make some more money. I want to travel. So I got involved in real estate around the age of 22 or so. Unfortunately, right after um, September 11th, that's when the mortgage interest rates in the United States dropped down to bare minimums. And I was reading great authors like the Robert Allens or the Carlton Sheets. There's a lot of fantastic ones. Robert Kiyosaki was talking about strategies to use if you have no money, no credit, no nothing like I did um, to get started in real estate. So I started buying and selling real estate with my own money um, or no money or using credit cards or um, creative financing buying and selling in San Diego, as well as a couple other locations in Southern California. During this time, I started to travel a little bit more. And gentlemen, some of the favorite spots, of course, like Thailand and Philippines and Argentina and Panama and Peru, a lot of great places. And I said, how can I combine buying and selling as well as travel? I want to make this happen, and how do I do that? And for me, conferences that dealt specifically with real estate, one came to San Diego, actually, um, and that was my first purchase. I definitely wouldn't recommend this, but sight unseen, I bought my first apartment in Buenos Aires, Argentina, for something around 75000 And as they say, I was hooked. I um, started my process then, and from there, I've bought and sold in Buenos Aires, Argentina, Fortaleza, Brazil, um, Coastal in Nicaragua, um, as well as different locations in Panama, and then, of course, in Southern California. And that wraps up a little history. So, how do you buy a house if you have no money? 
Well, that's a great question, and I don't want to speak for the whole world because I don't know, but let me speak from the states. When the interest rates went down, um, specifically after 2001, there's a lot of different strategies that you can use. The one that I used was we had loans that were either 100% financing, so it was one loan, or you'd get two loans, um, one 80% you know, and one 20%, so again, equals a 100% loan. So that was 100% financing. Now, when I needed down payments, these are completely true stories. I'm not making this up. When I needed down payments, um, I would, of course, at that time, I got credit cards, and I would do cash advances on the credit cards, or I would do balance transfers on the credit cards. I would try and time it so when my credit was run by the mortgage broker or the bank, they wouldn't see these new, um, that I was kind of transferring money all over the place. But for me, when I got started at the time, I did everything zero down. If I needed any cash creatively, I might have got it from a credit card. I might have borrowed it from a friend. I might have put the pieces of the puzzle together as the best as I could. But at the time and now, I'm all about creatively, how do we get this done? Wow, that's interesting. I've never thought of investing in real estate this way. Uh, and is it something you would recommend to people? Well, I think that what one strategy for one person doesn't necessarily transfer over to someone else. So at the time, it worked well for me in the U.S. Um, you know, when we look at financing, gentlemen, if you don't mind me saying, specifically when we're talking about places like the States, I know several countries in Europe, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, where you can actually get loans. There's a few methods that you can do. So one would be at-home financing. Now, if you already own a property and you're looking to take that money and go overseas to use some great strategies to get rental income using Airbnb, you might do things like um, a cash-out refi or a second mortgage or a home equity line of credit. Um, you might do things like a credit card cash advance. You might at, at one point, I had a paid-off car. I got a little loan on that car to use that to buy overseas. Now, let me be specific. Am I saying everyone should do this? No, I'm not. These are just some things that I've used. Um, some other strategies would be like a self-directed 401k, where it's literally a checkbook IRA that you could use on cash to buy overseas. If you have a stock brokerage account, right, you could use some of that money to buy overseas. Now, if we're looking at overseas financing options, and for me, I'm speaking about Latin America because that's where I have experience in a few countries, and I'm not a big fan of speaking in theory. I like to speak about things that I've done. So in places like Central America, there's banks. Um, one that comes to mind is called KeyBank. It's based in Belize, but you can get mortgage loans on a few countries in Central America, like Belize, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, as well as Panama. Some countries, like a Panama, I know I've done it uh, several times, you can get a mortgage loan as an expat. Of course, in some developments that you might buy, the developer might offer some kind of developer financing in stage payments. And of course, with more expats now, specifically in Latin America, coming from places like the States and Canada, they understand seller financing a little bit more. It's not prevalent in a lot of markets, but places like Medellin, Colombia, or Panama City, Panama, or Lima, Peru, you could go to that market and work with sellers who might do some kind of seller financing. So there's a few strategies that you can use to get financing in place if you just don't have the money, which few of us do, right? Just to lump down cash for a place to buy. Right. That makes all sense. And uh, well, I didn't know there were so many different ways of, of financing uh, a property. 
I thought getting a mortgage is pretty much the only one. But um, let's get into, I like the practical aspect of, of this, of your approach. Let's say I want to go overseas and I want to buy a, real, a piece of real estate and I want to rent it out on Airbnb. Can you shine a little bit of light on how should I go about this? Like what will be the first steps? Jasper, it's a great question. I'm not sure what it's like in the Netherlands. I've never been to the Netherlands, unfortunately, but I will at some point. In the States, there's this thing called the MLS, right? So basically everybody at any given time has all the same numbers at their fingertips, whether they go to Zillow or Realtor.com. There's a lot of great sites. Everybody has the same information at any given time. When you go to Latin America in the markets that I've been, there's no MLS. So it's very hard for you to understand what values are Unless one, you have great contacts already there, or two, you get on the ground yourself. So the best way to find out what values are is to really niche down. It's to really target on a specific market or a couple of markets. And then once you get to those markets, let's say we're looking at a two-bedroom, two-bathroom, or a three-bedroom, two-bathroom, because we, we specifically want to rent it out on Airbnb, whether we want to do the whole apartment or each room. So let's talk about how do you find deals. Well, number one, you'd want to know based on your strategy and your numbers, what is your apartment going to rent out for? It's either going to rent out, you know, the whole thing or each or room by room, or you might combine the both. And you want to know based off of real numbers, what your occupancy rate is going to be, and then back out costs. And then you want to know what your um, monthly cash flow is potentially, right? So if it's a thousand, if it's two thousand, if it's three thousand dollars a month, then you know kind of what the cash flow is going to be, right? And then for basic real estate numbers, then that would transfer over to a purchase price. So if we're looking to rent it out on an awesome site like Airbnb, you first want to know what am I going to rent it out for? What's the cash flow? What's the money per month or per year? And then you can look over to rental or to purchase prices and say, okay, great. Here's a purchase price that I can based off of my hard numbers, not made up numbers. You want hard, real numbers. And then with that purchase price, what I would definitely recommend, and this is um, more helpful if you have cash, of course, is, and let's use easy numbers, gentlemen. Let's say it's $100,000 across the board. What I want to do is be on the ground, work with a lot of great agents who have contacts with sellers. And I want to specifically target out-of-country owners, because this is not their primary residence. They might be getting divorced. They might need the money. Someone might have gotten sick. There's a lot of reasons why people need to sell. And I want to, even though I have $100,000 and even though I've worked out my cash flow rentals, I still want to walk into a great deal. So I have $100,000 cash. I want to find apartments that I believe I could sell, if I so choose, at $150,000 or $175,000. So gentlemen, I think it's very, very important to understand first what your hard numbers are to rent it out. Then you can look at a purchase price that you can pay. And then on top of that, let's be honest, let's walk into a great deal from the start so we don't hope for appreciation later. And Taylor, so you mentioned a couple of things that are part of the process that I wanted to drill down a little bit. So first, you said, all right, it's really important to try and get an idea of monthly occupancy as well as to, to, get, to get a good estimate of the cash flow. What are your strategies that you would recommend to make those estimates with, with hard numbers? 
That's a great question. And I think that if you don't know a market well, you haven't been there, you're not maybe professionally doing this yet, you want to go to the professionals that are already doing it. So let's take Airbnb as a great example. What if you go to, to Airbnb in a market that you're looking at, which is Medellin, Colombia, Andrew Champion's a great example, right? Or uh, First American Realty there. Um, and you speak with them first. You say, look, here's what I'm thinking about doing. Here's a strategy. Um, I want to find out true rental rates for this two-bedroom, two-bath. I don't want to find out made-up stuff. If you can, provide me with rental receipts or let me speak with some of the people you help rent out or if you can speak with owners and you want to find out exactly, okay, how much are you renting things for? What's the average rate? Sometimes you might do less. Sometimes you might do more. Um, What's your occupancy rate? What are some of the example costs that I might not be familiar with? So I think it's very, very important that you want to speak with people who are already doing what you're doing so you can get hard numbers and then you want to network with them and better understand what things are like in that area first before you make a decision to buy. Okay. And and one other one other question, when you talk about finding great agents or getting good people that have good information, do you have recommendations on how to do that? For example, are there international resources that rank agents or give you any statistics on the number of sales they've had, etc.? Um, great question. There's three main sites that come to mind right now. I'm not recommending everybody that these are the greatest sources ever. I'm saying that they're examples of places to start. One is liveandinvestoverseas.com. Um, one is internationalliving.com. Um, another great one that's not real estate specific, but they have a membership that is is fantastic, is sovereignman.com. But one strategy that I would use is I would go to these sites. I would see the agents that they might recommend. Let's go back to the example like Medellin, Colombia. Um, it might be Rich Holman at First American, First American Title Realty, whatever it's called in Medellin. And then you can see, okay, great. Who are his clients? Um, is he actively buying and selling? Does he have someone like Andrew Champion that handles his rentals? If so, let me talk to him, find out some numbers. So I think that you might want to start with some big companies. See who are the on-the-ground agents that these companies might use. You can go speak with these agents. Or, of course, if you're on the ground in an area, I'm a big believer, and I know this isn't sexy. I know that this doesn't sell a lot of books. But on-the-ground investor, I'm about on the ground, calling on signs, looking in the newspaper, going to the cyber cafe, networking with people, and seeing who's advertising and who's selling, then go to their office. You can send an email. You can call them. Go to their office. Shake their hand. Look at them in the eyes and ask them the important questions. Things like, do you personally actively buy and sell real estate? If I'm working with an agent, I want to work with an agent that's doing what I want to do. Right? There's a lot of real estate agents. They could be fantastic. And I always get myself in trouble when I speak about agents. They always get mad at me. But there's a lot of agents that aren't good, just like there's a lot of people in all businesses that aren't good. There's a lot of real estate agents that have never personally bought and sold their own property. There's a lot of agents that have never rented one out, etc., etc. So you really want to focus on people that are doing exactly what you're doing. And don't be scared. Um, um, knock on some doors, make some noise, and make contacts. Okay. Awesome. So that was so packed with amazing advice. You gave three great websites. I believe they are uh, Live and Invest Overseas, International Living, and Sovereign Man. We're going to put those all in the show notes, by the way, but that was great. And, and one quick related question, and I know this is a highly nuanced 
evaluation process when when you're trying to pick a country or region to invest in. But let me phrase it this way. If you were for your the next property that you want to buy, where where do you see a good market, at least for yourself, that you want to invest in? Well, um, for me, I've never been to Europe, so I don't want to speak on Europe. Um, a lot of locations in Southeast Asia, if you do a little investigation, um, you can't really own. So it's not really freehold, it's leasehold. So once I hear that stuff, it's not even worth the bother, in my opinion, for a small investor that really cares about one or two places. So again, I go back to Latin America. There's a lot of possible areas, but let's say that we're specifically targeting for vacation rentals. We're specifically targeting for an awesome site like Airbnb, whether we want to rent out the whole thing, whether we want to rent out each room, whether we want to do it or we have an agent. For me, it would be places like Panama City, Panama, Medellin, Colombia, Fortaleza, Brazil, um, Lima, Peru, and we're going to see a pattern there. The reason why is because there's a lot of tourists that come in and out of those areas. They're very close to airports. Um, they're very popular areas. There's going to be a lot of people that understand Airbnb, that have worked with Airbnb. Um, there's going to be a, a a community of expats, which means that there's agents that understand this. So I really want to go to the areas, right, where I can rent out the real estate because that's the whole point. So for me, it would be those four areas. And then I don't want to name every place, but of course, um, Buenos Aires, Argentina is another great location. Um, Montevideo, Uruguay is another great location. Now, I know I've mentioned several locations. And then, of course, in those cities, you might look at different areas. As a, for instance, in Lima, Peru, you might specifically target the area around Parque Kennedy, um, which is in the jurisdiction of Miraflores. It's absolutely beautiful. It's along the coast. Tourists go there. It'd be a good location. In Panama City, Panama, you might focus on the old colonial zone, which is Costco Viejo. So your search might begin there. In Fortaleza, Brazil, which is coastal, it's northeast Brazil, it's coastal, you might be along the, uh, which is called the Baramar, um, which is the ocean front. That might be your target. In Medellin, there's a lot of great areas, um, but you might focus on um, Zona Rosa, right? Uh, around Parque Yeras, you might focus on the hill, which is El Poblado. So for me, it would be those areas that I would specifically focus on if my strategy is to buy something, to rent it out, and use a great website like Airbnb. You mentioned some really good places, Taylor, and I, I really like Medellin in Colombia and you mentioned um, Andrew Campion and Rich Holman are the experts to go to in this particular city. And Andrew was actually a guest on our show uh, a few, like a week ago, and his show was, went excellent live today. But he, um, this leads me into the next question. He started using Airbnb after I met him and I told him about my book, and he actually bought it. And at first, it wasn't really going so well, but after he implemented all the advice, He's actually getting a lot of business from Airbnb. And my, my next question is, how do you compare renting out on Airbnb versus the more traditional types of vacation rental business? 
Well, first off, I have to say um, that I have read your uh, PDF, your book, um, your awesome book, several times. And the strategies that you guys talk about are really, really amazing. And you guys break it down for Airbnb listing like nothing I've ever seen. But this thing about Airbnb, which is so fantastic versus some other popular ones, and we know the names, right, like HomeAway and VRBO and Vacation Rentals and FlipKey. There's a lot of great ones, but Airbnb is gaining more of the share. There's no doubt about that versus the other sites that are falling off. I've had a lot of the great people on my show as well. What's great about Airbnb, what they've really grasped onto is the sharing economy. They've made it very, very social. And what I love about it from a business standpoint is that you don't just have to rent out your whole entire apartment. And Jasper, I know from your book that you're a fan, more of a fan of renting out your entire apartment, probably because you also travel quite a bit. But what I love about the Airbnb model is that you're able to rent it out micro subletting, right? So if you buy an apartment that's three bedrooms, potentially you could have three renters if you so choose. The old model is it's either always occupied or it's always vacant, right? And this newer model can be, if you so choose, the micro-subletting route on Airbnb where you can rent it out per room. Now, you might find a great local um, promoter or agent to help you with that. You might do it yourself from a distance like you guys are masters at, um, or you might be there yourself. A newer model is to be there yourself, live in one room, and potentially rent out the other two rooms. It's a great way to either help pay your mortgage or to help get a decent return. You get to quote-unquote live for free. You have great people coming in and out, and you can build up some kind of passive income that way. So I think this Airbnb model, not to get too dramatic, is doing to vacation rentals, traveling, what um, sites like, or I'm sorry, which um, companies like Uber has done to not just taxi service, but transportation. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, I, I think it's great that Airbnb offers you the opportunity, like you said, to e- either rent out in one room or two rooms or your whole house. I, I choose to rent out my whole house, as, as um, you correctly mentioned, that I travel a lot. Now, one question I have for you, because I'm not so familiar with the sort of the old school way of renting out uh, vacation rentals. And the way I imagine it is that you buy a property and then you find an agent to do the marketing for you or you build your own website or maybe even run some, some Google ads and, and you know, try to get attention for your place that way. Is that, is that how it used to work? That's exactly correct. And Jasper, I hate to ask your age because maybe that's making me sound a little bit too old, but that's exactly correct. So the old school way, which is still going on now, there's a transition, um, would be something like you might use a property manager, right? And they, of course, would prefer to do a long-term lease because they didn't want to deal with the ins and outs. So let's be honest, they don't really care if they rent out your place or not because they might only get 10% or 15% of the actual rent. So they don't really care. Another model might have been to list on a site like Craigslist, which I know Airbnb took a lot of what they were doing to a Craigslist kind of model to start with and have, you know, of course, expanded from there. It might be to list it on great vacation rental websites. There's a lot of them, but the four big ones, it seems like to me, are um, um, Flipkey, HomeAway, as well as VRBO, as well as um, vacation rentals. Um, So that was the old 
model. Of course, there was the days, right, of newspapers and those and 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 those kinds of models. I think those are old, they're outdated. And one thing about those is you didn't pay based on performance, which is Airbnb's model, right? You you pay once you get money. They charged you a fee to advertise. And I think this is a very, very changer. So you use a site like Airbnb, which it's free to list in freezing quotes, of course. And then once you have people staying or once money comes in, they take, all things considered, a tiny, tiny portion. The old model was, okay, you want to advertise on my site? Great. Pay a fee to put it on my site. So I think this pay based on performance is really a game changer. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Because a lot of people are they're new to this type of uh, marketplaces and you know they might want to give it a try but if you're going to charge them then they might not so i think i totally agree i really like the uh the way that Airbnb does um the the have the, the payment model in place where it's free to list and then you pay well as a as a host you actually only pay three percent but the guest pays between six and twelve percent so I that's not too much i think no, which is fantastic. I mean, I absolutely love that business model. And in my humble opinion, anybody that is interested in doing vacation rentals, of course, it doesn't listen to your podcast or get your book, but who doesn't use Airbnb is crazy because you don't pay to list. You pay based off of performance. Now, I know that there's a lot of people, there's a lot of, of course, because they're uberly successful, there's blowback, right? So there, there's a lot of people that might complain that you have to interact with people on the Airbnb system. I think that's a wrong mindset. You use it what it's used for. And of course, if they check in, that would be an easy way to, of course, share contact details or grab their email or Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Pinterest, Skype, right? You, there's all those opportunities. But there's a lot of people in this niche, in the vacation rental niche, that always want to focus on, oh, I'm going site-free, right? I don't rely on sites. Yeah, but guess what? Then you're spending all your time building a website, paying for uh, AdWords or Facebook campaigns. So you're paying either one way or another. I would rather get people in my place for free. Once they pay a fee, I get most of that fee, and a little bit is kicked back to the company that's giving me money. I love that business model much better. Exactly. We were just talking about this earlier today me and Jasper and 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 that's exactly right because you do have to pay even if you think hey well I can avoid these fees you're gonna have to pay for the maintenance and these other advertising methods whereas instead you can just pay the fee and take advantage of this really nice infrastructure that's been built and it's a really good attraction spot for all sorts of people from all over the world so you just have a much wider variety of people and it's really not such a high cost um, so now you have this incredible expertise in the vacation rental business and we talk about Airbnb and the short stay market all the time. We would love to hear your thoughts on the future of the vacation rental business in the next five to ten years. Where do you see it going? Then do you see it essentially completely migrating over to these short stay rental sites like Airbnb, etc.? Or do you see it bouncing out and ha having a mix? What are your thoughts? That's a great question, and I think a lot depends on the pushback or the blowback that companies like Airbnb in the vacation rental niche are getting, companies like Uber with the taxi service are getting, um, how much 
push or pull, how good Airbnb does in infiltrating great local governments, working with um, getting some tax structures in place. So I think the future of companies like Airbnb is absolutely bright. I know everybody says this all the time in their own generation, but what's going on right now with Airbnb is revolutionizing what's going to happen in the vacation rental market. Depending on how the blowback is with hotels and how much push they have, right, um, with local governments and collecting taxes and how companies like Airbnb work with them, because they have to work with them, they can't just say, here's our business model. I think that this is, we're on just to start, even though it's it's a multi-billion dollar company now, it's on just the the opening cusp, and I think there's going to be a lot of great companies. Airbnb is fantastic, but what's going to happen is they're going to become successful, which they already are, and there's going to be another, a lot of other great companies as well that will be coming up based off of their same business model. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and it's a, it's it's interesting too because while there has been some negative blowback as far as government, uh, local authorities, or of course, obviously the hotel industry, but there has been an embrace that's that has been starting to pop up across different countries. For example, in France, the UK, uh, the Netherlands, and different regions in the states as well. So there is there there's two things that are happening, but I think. It seems as though the the tide is changing, and and other authorities are sort of rec- beginning to recognize that it's an inevitable part of the future. And what what can you do? The business is changing, and you're going to have to embrace it. I completely agree. And if you don't mind me saying, I wanted to add, it's also very important for people involved with Airbnb take the high road. They they're honest. They um, work hard because a, a downfall of companies like this could be to where if they don't have proper systems in place. And I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm not saying it has happened by any stretch of the imagination, but what you could get is some people that don't have best interests in mind with dealing with host or dealing with guests. If they infiltrate the system, and I don't think it's going to happen, but that can maybe give it a, a bad word. If they change their review system, if they change how payments are done, if they change a few things, um, like some other big companies have done, which I don't want to say, then, right, grumblings start happening, people start getting, you know, people start getting irritated, and then they look to other sites. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That that is probably something to watch out for, certainly. Um, Okay, Taylor, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on, and I really hope that all our listeners can soak up the massive amounts of advice that you've provided. By the way, guys, we are going to put everything that Taylor has mentioned into our show notes. Uh, By the way, Taylor, can can you give out your contact information, name of your podcast, all that good stuff? Absolutely. Main website, internationalrealestatelistings.com. From there, you can find my Overseas Property Insider podcast, and I welcome all and any emails to taylor at internationalrealestatelistings.com. Okay, terrific. So guys, for that information as well, uh, in addition to all the websites that Taylor mentioned, you can check all that stuff out at our show notes, which can be found at www.getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash podcast. Also, for more tips and information on how to run a successful Airbnb listing, you can download the first three chapters of our book at getpaidforyourpad.com. And finally, Just to let everybody know, our book will be released on Kindle on August 26th. And again, it's the same name, Get Paid for Your Pad. And if you get on to uh, Amazon on the 26th, you will even be able to get a copy of our book for free. All right, Taylor, thank you so much for being on the show. 
And with that, we are wrapping another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. See you guys next time, every Monday and Thursday. Get paid for your pad. 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 Get paid for your pad.